0: Hello, um, I'm Chris, this is my wife Nicola, we're part of the leadership team here at Crawley Community Church and we'd just love to express our welcome to all of you as well, especially if you're guests or visitors, I understand from a message that's just arrived that there might be one or two um, listening in from far-flung places today, so it's great to see you, I'm not going to try my different languages on you, but you're (laughs) very welcome, it's lovely to have you as part of us. And welcome to the first in our new summer teaching series called Summer Loving. Um, I'm not going to sing the song. I'm sure you're all... No, I'm really not. (laughs) Um, But over the next uh, few Sunday mornings, we're going to look at what it means to love like disciples of Jesus. Love is a choice. It's a decision that we make, not a way that we feel. So what does it mean to choose to love? What are the things that we must consciously choose to do? And what are the things that we must ruthlessly choose to cut out of our lives? We're people called to love. So what lifestyle matches our message? So that's where we're going in the next six weeks. And we're going to learn to choose to love our neighbour, to love one another, to love our enemies, to love the foreigner and to love good. But to start off, to kick off the series today, we're going to learn to love the Lord our God. So without further ado, uh, we will turn in our Bibles or on our devices to Matthew chapter 22 and read a few verses starting at verse 34 and I think it's going to come up on the screen. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, there we go, it's got the right one. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. These few verses are some of the most significant in the whole Bible, and I don't say that lightly, because Jesus was being challenged by the teachers of the law who wanted to catch him out and discredit him. They knew the law, and they thought that if they could prove they knew more than Jesus that he couldn't possibly be the Messiah, God's chosen saviour for Israel. So when they asked him what the greatest commandment was, Jesus' reply would set out God's agenda for all of history, including the bit before and the bit we're living in today. So this was a really significant answer that Jesus gave. And the answer that he gave, the greatest commandment ever given by God to mankind, in the whole of history is simply to love him and the second was to love our neighbor. In fact he emphasized it even more by saying that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's how significant they are, that's how important this commandment is. Everything we do, all our thoughts, all our actions that we make as disciples of Jesus, stem from a love of God. And without loving God, all of those actions and thoughts and things that we do become meaningless. That's how important it is. This is why it's known as the greatest commandment. But before I move on, I just want to pause to think about that statement. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What did Jesus mean when he said the law and the prophets? Well, in the Old Testament we read how God shaped the life of his chosen people, the life of Israel, around laws that were given to Moses and through prophetic messages given to a select group of people at certain times in history. But these laws and these prophetic messages weren't because God wanted to give them a way to get themselves free of sin. In fact, it, it did the opposite. It highlighted their inability to get themselves free of skin. They couldn't have sinned. They couldn't change themselves at all. What the Law and the Prophets did do was point to the fact that it was only God who could do it. Only through a holy, perfect, sinless Saviour, the Messiah, sent by God, that they could be saved. It was by living in faith that the Messiah would come, and believing that God would save through him, that they could be accepted as righteous by God. So, when Jesus refers to the law and the prophets in the Old Testament, he's talking about everything that pointed to himself. But we live after the Old Testament, and we can look back into history and see Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, we can know him personally. So, does this mean we can ignore the law and the prophets, and therefore the commandment is not important to us, because now we have Jesus? Well, to quote Paul certainly not if the law and the prophets pointed to what Jesus was coming to do and this underpinned the love to command God uh, to the command to love God how much more now we know what Jesus has done does the command apply to us today sorry I'll just get the paper separated so We're convinced then that this command, this greatest commandment applies to us today. So what makes it difficult? What stops us loving the Lord with all our heart, soul and mind? And as is so often the case when we ask ourselves questions like that, we can get a clue by looking at another piece of scripture. And this time we we look for one where Jesus is speaking to us, speaking to his church now. And we find that scripture in the book of Revelation in which Jesus appeared to the Apostle John in a prophetic vision and he gave him letters or messages to the future churches, to the churches we find ourselves in today. So let's read just a short section from one of those letters in Revelation 2 and verses 2 to 5. So Jesus says to us, his church, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you. And remove your lampstand from its place. In the letters to the churches in Revelation, Jesus speaks to the Church today, and he commends us for what we're doing well. But he also admonishes us where we drifted uh, from where we have drifted from the good path. So here in this letter, the Church is commended for hard work and perseverance. Both are very good things to be commended for. And actually, both of them are things that we in Crawley Community Church have a long history and a good reputation for doing well. So I think that we can relate to this letter locally. But Jesus also admonishes them. He admonishes them because they have forgotten their first love. They've forgotten why they became a church in the first place. Their hard work and their busyness have blinded them to their true identity and purpose. So if we can relate to the commendation for being hardworking and persevering, surely we need to take note of the admonishment as well and learn for it in the life of our local church and in our lives personally. You notice that when Jesus tells them what they have lost, what they have forgotten, that he refers to how far they have fallen. He doesn't say that the good works and the perseverance have raised them up, but he says forgetting their first love has caused them to fall. So it's really important that we take note. But he also gives them the remedy. He doesn't just leave them with the knowledge but he gives them the remedy, the way they can do something about it, and it's a very simple solution. In fact, it's one word. Repent. Return to the love you had at first. Go back to the most important thing that you do, in fact, the only thing that we should be focusing on, which is to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Notice how this loops back to the greatest commandment. All the church's hard work and perseverance has distracted them from the one thing that God wanted for them. That they were to become a community that loved him first and loved him above all. Choosing to love the Lord means setting aside our agendas and our priorities, maybe even to stop doing things that seem like they are a good idea and return to our first and greatest priority, to love lord with all our heart with all our soul and with all our mind and now i'll hand over to nicola so she can help us discover what loving the lord looks like in practice
1: so um when chris and i were chatting about this i said um to chris he said "What, what kind of springs to mind and i said my first thought is loving the lord with our heart our soul and our mind what's in our heart and our soul and our mind what does that actually What does that entail? What does it involve? So I've got my own thoughts and ideas about what's in our heart, our mind and our soul. I'm sure you have as well. Um, But if in doubt, ask Google. So um, I did. Um, And these are some of the answers I got. This is not a definitive answer. Um, The heart, I'm told by Google, is where the will is, the mind, the consciousness, emotions and understanding. So that's confusing right right off the bat. Um, The soul is where reason, character, feeling, consciousness, memory and thinking is Um, and the mind is imagination, intelligence, cognition, that's thinking and doing, judgment, language and consciousness. So there's a few overlaps there. Um, Certainly things like consciousness seems to be the heart, the mind and the soul. Things like um, character and feeling seem to span over all of them. I think we're not going to get too um, caught up in the actual definition of those areas, but I think what it tells us is that it's all of our thinking, our emotion, our feeling, the choices that we make, um, where we dream, where we vision, um, it's all of those things in one. So the call is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind. So that got me to thinking, um, it may be inevitably, um, that actually that's tricky because I have bad thoughts sometimes. Um, I have difficult and less desirable emotions. Um, I don't think there's any bad emotion. I think it's maybe what we do with them and how we respond to them. But there are some emotions that just don't feel nice. Things like jealousy, resentment, bitterness. Um, and I make bad choices sometimes as well um, and I can feel low and sad um, and despondent and it got me to thinking none of those really feel like I'm loving God in those moments um, in fact if anything sometimes they can make me feel further from God um, they can leave me disappointed um, and probably the worst feeling of all is that I can feel quite ashamed of feeling that way doing those things um, <laughs> So, um, as Chris was saying, it was easy for the early church to see where they were doing well in their serving and their doing, and I think sometimes it's easier and maybe more palatable um, for us to say, um, we're doing well with loving God, we really feel like we're loving God, we're in a close relationship with him, when we're worshipping him, when we're serving in something, and when we're feeling good about what we're doing. Um, And Chris, I was looking for kind of an analogy, a story to try and help explain, and, and Chris has given full consent to me sharing this story.
0: Yes, I have.
1: His idea. Um, So Chris spent about three hours out in the garden yesterday. We had the hairdresser here in the morning. So Flo Ed and I had a lovely relaxing few hours chatting with her and getting our hair done. And Chris was out working in the garden and we could see from inside the house, things weren't going that well out there. You can just tell that the mood was changing. Um, Some things were thrown rather than placed. There was a lot of pacing up and down um and at one point Chris came to the window and asked if I'd got anything that he could blow up the lawnmower with um he came in um towards the end and said he was really cross because we've had a meadow for the last couple of years at the end of the garden and last year we had really lovely flowers in it and this year it's been grasses it hasn't been flowers it's been a real disappointment it's ended up being strimmed it's gone um the lawn which Chris has spent hours and hours weeding um that looks lovely from this point in the house, um, but actually is full of weeds again. Um, And it just felt like a waste of time, didn't it? Um, And also we planted some vegetables, we planted some peas, and we had a lovely crop of peas um, earlier in the week. Um, But we've also got a couple of dozen wood pigeons at the end of the garden, and they have decimated um, the peas and just ripped them to shreds and snapped them. So Chris was... I sent Edward out there to help Chris. I said, go out and see if you can help Dad and offer to um, you know, just encourage him a bit and, and he came back in and he said he's just talking about blowing up the lawnmower. So it was quite concerning that he had explosives on his mind most of the time he was out there. Anyway, <laughs> sorry.
0: This is a long story, keep Taking you out, it's fun it though.
1: Um, but it was interesting because he came in at the end of the day and I said to Chris, you know, the pots look really beautiful, from here the lawn looks really good and we've said throughout lockdown how we're really, really fortunate to have a lovely big space outside our house. Um, And Chris said, I missed all that. He said, I was so caught up in how frustrated I was um, with all the different things that were going wrong. He said, I just missed that actually we've got this space and that from different angles, it actually looks really lovely. And even up close parts of it look really lovely. So I think that was just a helpful for both of us, a helpful analogy yesterday of how you can really miss what's right in front of you and the beauty and the loveliness of of that. so in the same way, really, Paul was urging the future churches, don't become consumed with your deeds and your actions. Um, keep, keep your focus on your your first love, your love of God. Um, sometimes it's not just a, a thought or a feeling. Sometimes those things can become, they, they can turn into behaviours and habits over time if they're unchecked. Um, sometimes things end up really taking root in our lives, and over time it can become too easy for those Um, habits to to not reflect our love of God Um, in fact indeed it might be something that we end up loving more than God that we idolize Um, Paul was reminding us in those letters that we need to repent of these things and come back to that first love Um, we know we're not perfect um, we know we're in a battle Um, I think we realize that quite often that battle is in our mind as well not in our mind but is it a battle for the mind um, it's very real. Um, and it led me to ask the question should we then maybe withdraw from God? Is the answer that when we're in that battle, when we're having those thoughts, those struggles, those challenges, is the thing to do to just step away, to withdraw from God, um, go and get that sorted out, and then come back into God's presence? Um, so just put a pin in that question um, for the moment. And I just wanted to. Very quickly, uh, you, you'll know, a lot of you, that my role is helping families. Um, in a, I work in a school, and my job is to help the families and the children. And I've got a lovely little office. It's very cosy. People are very welcome to book an appointment and come and have a chat. People don't book an appointment to come and chat to me to tell me how wonderful things are at home. Um, they don't come in and say, we don't argue much. Um, the kids have you know three healthy, healthy meals every day, seven days a week me and my partner get on really well there's no challenging behaviors i don't have those kind of meetings um parents come to share what they're struggling with um and what what breaks my heart more than anything is when i talk to parents who have not come to me and they've left it and it's usually a sense of shame that keeps people away because they feel embarrassed and actually i can't do anything about that i can't help people who don't come um, and don't share so actually the real joy in my job is um ironically when people do come with their struggles and we can sit and we can chat i don't have a magic wand i'm not a super expert um but there's there's an an enormous amount of power in just talking about that releasing that sharing it with somebody else feeling accepted not feeling judged and then people can go away having moved on um now that's just a job and it's and i'm just a regular person doing that job so think about That same situation, but with God as the person that we take those thoughts and those struggles to, Um, and his love for us. Should we withdraw and sort those things out ourselves and then come back to God's presence? Absolutely not. Um, The good news of Jesus is one of hope and salvation for a fallen people like you and I. Jesus wasn't a stick in plaster. Um that God gave us to try and fix a bad situation. Um, His death was the ultimate sacrifice made by God because of how much he loved us. And his resurrection is is the promise of an eternal life with him for all who call him their saviour. So when we reflect on that sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that is God's provision of a saviour. And the Holy Spirit is there to help and encourage and guide us. So we can surely come with a confidence that even with our darkest thoughts and in the midst of our worst choices we can express love to God by being in his presence and seeking forgiveness and seeking his mercy and his grace is it loving to withdraw and shrink away in our shame or is it loving to come before God with every thought with every emotion with every action good and bad and acknowledge his majesty, his sovereignty, and seek him out. I think that's an expression of love. So as Chris explained, Jesus answered the Pharisees' question about the law with the greatest of these is love. So if you find these verses challenging, if they give rise to a feeling of, I don't love God enough, or there are times that I don't love God with that feeling or that thought, that action, and hands up, I I get that, I understand that, I feel those things remember that Jesus what Jesus did on the cross was not to set a standard which you and I have to strive to reach it was the ultimate call to draw us back into God's presence so Anna's going to lead us um, in worship again um, in a moment and I think I'm just going to ask Chris if he would just pray for us this morning
0: so just in response to that I think it's a it's a simple prayer really is that we need to Think about what are those things that are causing us to be distracted from putting God first, whether it's busyness, hard work, or a shame about things that we're not doing um, and repent and say mm-hmm. to God, "I want to turn back to mm-hmm. putting you first, mm-hmm. so as i do as I pray, um, just think about those things for yourself, don't dwell on them, don't make them a big deal, but just think about what it is. And I'm going to leave a blank and you can fill that blank personally to make the prayer between you and God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have put these things before you. I acknowledge that I have allowed these things to become a distraction from loving you first. And I acknowledge... That there are these things that I've been doing that I'm ashamed of and that I don't want to bring before you. And so as I recognise this in my life, I also recognise that you are the one, you are the solution, you are the one that I can come to. And so I want to repent, I want to acknowledge where I have strayed from the path that you have given me and I want to turn back to you. I want to turn back to putting you first. I want to turn back to loving you first and only. And Lord, as I do that, I just ask that you release me from the shame and the guilt of having got it wrong in the past, because your sacrifice and what you have done means that I can be free of that. And Lord, I want to take the the next step forward with you as the, the one and only focus in my life. You my first love. I want to come back to you as my first love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.